0: So uh, the other thing I wanted to say before I get going, I've got a stool up here. Um, I, I had torn my meniscus in mid-June. I don't know if you've seen me kind of hobbling around. And uh, Tuesday finally had that dealt with. Had surgery on Tuesday and went very well. And I'm in much less pain than I was for the last uh, chunk of time. Um, but it's still a little swollen. It's fascinating, really, when you think about surgery and how quickly you can come back around nowadays. I had a friend who said they had the similar surgery back in 1972. And he was actually in a cast all the way up to his hip for three weeks after that. So we've come a long way, right? So, I mean, I, it was, I was only there a few hours and then uh, walked out. And so I'm, I'm good. And it feels good. I may not need a stool, but I just didn't want you to – maybe I'm over-explaining it, but there's a stool. If I need it, I'm going to do it and put it there, and there you go. So only if I feel faint or like I'm going to puke or something. But other than that, <laughs> it's not going to happen. And uh, I'm, I'm so I have the brace on. It was funny. Alice said, well, people can't see your knee post-surgery. I guess it's not very attractive. And uh, she said, you should wear long pants. Well, I don't want to wear long pants. So the brace is there now for that. So you don't have to look at it. Uh, if you really want to see it, let me know afterwards. And <laughs> Now people are wondering. <laughs> There'll be a special viewing of that. <laughs> no, there won't. Okay. Um, you know, that whole process is, is fascinating because I haven't had a procedure like that in a long time. And, uh, just leading up to it and ask you so many questions and there's so many things that you have to do to get prepared now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of fascinating, but if we were in the process and I, I had to go be put out for that, uh, even though it was outpatient. So we're down in the hospital and very early we're there. And, you're seeing everybody, and so you're already a little vulnerable because by this point, you know, you've, they've taken pretty much everything that's yours away, and uh, you've got some robe on. that doesn't really work. I don't even know why they give you the robe, and uh, so you're very vulnerable, and you're, you're meeting people, and I saw my doctor who I'd known, and he came in, and he sort of wrote his autograph on the proper knee, which I was happy about, because uh, it was my right knee, and then they were, everybody's making a joke, so is this the right knee? I said, okay, come on. I get it. It's not the wrong knee. Get the right knee. But you get the process, and the anesthesiologist came in, and we were talking about options for me to go out. He decided this is the way he was going to do it, and I was asking him about it, and he said, you know, I've done 30,000 of these with no problem. And I thought, well, that was good, and then I don't know about you, but I'm already a little vulnerable anyway, and I'm thinking, okay, well, where does that put me on the odd thing (laughs) as odds? is uh, Okay, but anyway, we got through that, and everything is well. They did a great job, and I'm feeling much better. So that's all the time I want to give to that. Uh, we're in a series called Who who Do You Think You Are? and what we're doing is we're talking about our identity in Christ. So important that we understand this to experience the kind of life that we're called to because we have a very real enemy who uh, I've said is the master of identity theft and he wants to steal away from you who you are in Christ so you don't experience life. And uh, in, in the last period of time, we've looked at the Beatitudes and I said, these are the attitudes that are being developed in us by the Holy Spirit as citizens of the kingdom. And I think the B attitudes, knowing what, what that looks like, is very helpful in taking our stand against the enemy. Well, where I want to go next in this series, in this whole process, is I want to look together at the fruit of the Spirit that's being developed in us. Because not only are we sort of engaged in a battle against the evil one, but we also have a conflict against the... The flesh, the sinful nature, and it's the Holy Spirit and in this His fruit being developed in us that really helps us to take a stand against that, and and in so doing, then living the kind of life that He's called us to, which is what He wants for all of us. You know, God, God just wants for us to experience life in in this amazing way. It's not it's not a, a that we won't have to deal with difficult things, but just knowing that He's God and that He's got you and that He's with you and that He's for you and that He loves you. When we get a hold of that and really understand that, it changes the dynamic of how we live in a fallen world on a broken planet. And it it really makes things so amazing for us in the process. So we're going to take a look together over the next period of time at the fruit of the Spirit. But before we get there, I want to talk about Um, our freedom in Christ and what that means, because it's all tied together. And so part of our identity is this amazing freedom that we have in Christ for this life. So that's where we're headed with today's message. Bad joke time. These are very bad. Thank you very much. Um, All clocks only have two hands. You may think they have a third hand, but it's really just a second hand. I know, extremely bad. Thank you very much. I'm convinced that highlighters are the pens of the future. Mark my words. (laughs) That's the best of the bunch, I'm afraid. I do have one more. This is my favorite, but it has not yet been (laughs) well-reviewed. So the zookeeper was struggling to explain why two tropical birds were stuck together. It was toucan fusing. scripture reading. Here we go. I feel like I should sit down. (laughs) Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 18. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And Blessed be the word of the Lord. So uh, this passage, what what Paul is telling us is that in this life, we're to live by the Spirit. So that's point number one in your notes. What is he talking about? What is living by the Spirit? And and so to talk about that, we're going to back up a little bit in history, back into Genesis, and uh, God is sort of instructing Adam and Eve on how to experience life. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, he says this, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, context. So here we have Adam and Eve uh, in perfect relationship with God. God walks with them, talks to them. They're in, they're in harmony with God. They're in harmony with one another. There is no sin. There is no shame. There is no pain. There's no fear. There's no anxiety. There's no worry. There's no concerns. Everything is amazing in their life and everything too is yes. You need to know that. The whole deal is set up as yeses uh, because people think, well, that God is all these no's. Creation is is like this big giant yes. In the garden, there's a no, one no. And he says, listen, everything, I've made everything for you. I just want to be with you and have you experience life. That's my heart for you that we would we would be in this thing together, he says. "But But here, stay away from this tree. Don't eat of the fruit of that tree, because if you eat of it, you will surely die. That's the no in the process. And, and, and so we sort of know what happens in this story. The enemy takes that. Some people go, well, why was there a no at all? You know, why, was it, why wasn't it everything yes? Well, God wants people to choose to love him. There had to be a choice involved, or else how would we really know what love looks like and that we really do love God, or if, if there's no other choice? So he gave a choice. So there's a choice over there. Well, the enemy takes advantage of that, which is what he does. And he gets hold of Adam and Eve, and he says to them, basically, you can't believe everything that God has told you. This fruit, take it out. You, you, you really want this, don't you? And their flesh responds, and we know what happens. They eat of uh, the fruit. Well, and we also know that, that even though the Bible says that they will surely die, physically they don't die. They're still alive after that. But what happened was they died spiritually. There was a spiritual death. They were disconnected from that life and relationship that they had known prior to that moment, and everything was different. And so they they were spiritually dead. Now, that condition was something that they have passed on to all of us ever since. We're, we're born now with a different nature that's separate from God. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So from that time, the time of the fall, When we were born, our nature that we were born with is uh, sinful. It leads us in the wrong direction. It takes us to places where we shouldn't go. And it, it has separated us from the relationship that God wants to have with us. But God makes a way in Christ for us to be alive in Him once again, to be spiritually alive. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So God makes a way for us to be reconciled to Him, to be alive again in Him. And this is where we get terms like where we are born again or born anew or spiritually reborn. Uh, It all happens in that process. Before we come to know Christ, we're spiritually dead. We're separated from God. But when we come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, We become alive spiritually, born again, born anew, reborn. All those things happen. He made a way for us, and he did it all by his grace. This life that we have in him, in Christ, is made possible by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So works, or following after the law, couldn't do it. See, the the law was in place, and the law was there to teach us really about God's love and what love looked like, but but it it couldn't help us in this big problem that we had and that we were separated from God. It couldn't do it. If it could, Jesus wouldn't need to have come and done what he did, but it couldn't. We couldn't become alive again the way we needed to be until Jesus came and paid for our sin, defeated death, and rose again but he's made a way for us in the process and it's all by grace we couldn't earn it we couldn't work for it we couldn't perform well enough none of those things could happen so we need to understand that dynamic and a lot of people haven't sort of come into that yet in this process of what that really understands why do we need jesus why do we need to be reborn what's the problem our nature we're born separate from god because of sin which entered the world at the fall and has impacted every one of us since But God has made a way for us in Christ to be reconnected or reconciled to God, and He did it because of His mercy and His grace. So this life then, this reconciled, reconnected life that we have to God, we're to live um, by the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 through 18, this is part of our Scripture reading. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You can can put flesh in there as well. Same deal. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under law. So there's this conflict that goes on. When we come to know Christ, we're reconciled to Him in this new life. We still are dealing with The flesh, the sin nature, if you're honest, you understand that's the pull and that sometimes we we yield to that and we're doing things that in our heart we no longer want to do and that's the big issue, that's the conflict. But we have the Holy Spirit in us now when we come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us and he leads us and he teaches us and he guides us into real life and what we're to do is we're to be yielding our life to him. Because he's in control and and he wants us to have better life. I was thinking you know this week when I was going through that surgical process, um, just the amount of not that i 'm in control anyway, but you talk about yielding control basically of everything to the people around you and getting completely vulnerable and and yet you have to kind of trust that they have your your best interest you know to th- that they're going to put you they want you to be right well. See, what we're doing in this walk with with Christ is we're realizing that He wants the very best life for us, and we're totally learning to yield to Him over time every part of the control that we think we have so that we can experience true freedom. That's point number two, true freedom. Now, understanding that we're no longer under the law does not mean that we can now go and do whatever we feel like doing in order to gratify the sinful nature. Uh, We we can't do... See, because sometimes people will go, well, now because of grace, that means I can do whatever I want to do. I can do whatever I feel like. And that's not the reason it happens. Galatians 5.13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather serve one another in love. See, this freedom that we have ex- allows us to experience real life by serving others in love and in so doing, then transforming the world around us so that people come to know Jesus. See, that's life is found. It's the missional part of our life. And the, the, the grace that we have, this freedom that we have, isn't to go and do whatever we feel like, to satisfy the sinful nature of the flesh. It's really there so that we can love others well and help them come to know Jesus in this life as well. And, and, and yet we tend to get stuck. One of the problems that we have is we're not very good with dealing with living in tension. We've talked about that here quite often. And, and, and yet there, there's tension involved in this life because the kingdom is here but not fully here yet. Jesus has come, but he's coming back again. And so we live in the in-between the in of those two things. We call it living in the now and the not yet. And we don't hold on to that tension very well, and we tend to swing in extremes. For example, um, coming to know Christ and experiencing this amazing life that he has for us, one of the tendencies of the church, one direction that sometimes we'll go in and believers will go in, is we'll, we'll sort of swing back into the law, into legalism. Tell me what it is I need to do, and I'll do that. And we get very performance-based in our life. And we start to think, well, if I'm doing all these things right, then things ought to happen. But we get stuck there. At some level, it seems easier. But then we'll we'll swing to the other extreme, which is, well, yeah, but I'm free, and now I can do whatever I want. And we start using that to uh, justify doing things that we shouldn't do. Well, I'm free in Christ. I can do whatever I feel like doing. Well, if you read the Scripture, you're free in Christ, but it's not to indulge. The sinful nature, it's to serve others in love so that they can find their way into the kingdom. Big difference. And so what we need to do is we need to find this place where, where real life is. And, and here in this place, what we're doing is we're, we're not slipping back into performance, but we're not thinking it's all about us. We're just learning to listen to Him and to yield to Him uh, in this life so we can experience the life He has us to. And it's going to be a very other-centered life in the process because that's where life is found. So so that's the idea of this freedom that we have. It's freedom to live and experience life with Him leading us and guiding us because He's so much better at life than we ever have been or ever will be. And so that's what the freedom we have looks like and what it's all about. And what happens as we're yielding to Him in this process is that the fruit of the Spirit is developed in us. That's point number three. And and really, um, we're going to talk about the fruit now for the next period of time, but but what the fruit of the Spirit is, it's found in Galatians 5.22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit, that's a biblical term that sums up sort of the nine visible attributes of a true Christian life, of a, of a life that's yielded to the Holy Spirit. And, and the, the Holy Spirit then is producing uh, these things in our lives. I love that list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Isn't that just the greatest list of, of how we're supposed to be living in this life and what should be happening in us in the process? And so this, this freedom that we're talking about, it's a release from our old and, and sort of warped sin nature, which is all about us, and it moves us into a life that gives the Spirit full control, and, and in us then He's developing, and this fruit is just sort of popping out of us. See, this life, ultimately, when, once we come to know Jesus and we're saved until we're with Him face to face when we're glorified, we're in this process of being sanctified, and it's this process where we're learning to yield to the Holy Spirit. And, and we're sort of learning this our entire journey here. We're, we're learning to yield to the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit isn't something that we can get a hold of and look at the list and say, okay, these are the things I need to be. These are things that He's doing in us. They're coming out of us when we're yielded to Him. And what I found, and I think this is really helpful what I found is when I'm not exhibiting those things in my life, when they're not just popping out of me, it means I'm really not yielded to the Holy Spirit in those instances. I'm, I'm more yielded to the sinful nature. It's more about me than it is about Him. And there's no life to be found there. Now, you know, for years, I've always sort of talked about my driving as, as an example, uh, only because I think it's something you can all relate to. And and so here, here's, a, here's a dynamic. Just take that process. So anybody here ever get frustrated when you're driving with other drivers? It's never about you, right? You're like perfect in your driving abilities. And uh, everybody could learn from watching how you drive, really, about what everything should look like. You get the idea. And so I've told you over time, you know, how frustrated I can be with people that aren't doing what I think they ought to be doing and are, are just, you know, where, where did they learn how to drive? You know those questions, right? Here's the thing. I only that to say this when I'm driving in a way where everybody is bothering me, it means I'm all about me at that moment. I'm just totally focused on my deal, my life, what it's all about, where I'm going, where I'm headed, what I got to do. It's a it's a very me thing. It's a very flesh sort of time. But when I'm in a spot where I'm more yielded to the Holy Spirit, those things don't bother me because what pops out of me instead of frustration and a lack of patience and irritability and all those other things, what just pops out of me is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It just it pops out of me. I can't I can't whip it up, but but I can it just sort of is there and and it doesn't make a difference. Those other things become way less important. How much time do we spend on things that just aren't really important at all in the bigger picture of things? They're just not. But it's because we're stuck in the process. And what's happened, and I know I've shared this with you before is but it it's a it's a reminder that what we've done is we've we've taken and put in our putting. we've put ourselves. I don't know where those words come from. Sometimes I'm sorry. I do sort of hear them right away and go, "Putin's not a word," but nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> we've put it ourselves. See it's even worse. All right, we've put ourselves in the center of the story. And that's the battle. See, that's the flesh. That's the sin nature. What that whole thing is and always has been is about you being the center of the universe. And you're not. He is. This is His story. History. It's His story. And life is found when we get that we're part of His story. It's not our story. It's His story. He's the noun of the story. We're adjectives. We describe Him in our life. But when we're doing that, that's where we experience life. And every time we put ourselves back in the center, there's no life. And, and sort of what I want you to see and realize is when that fruit isn't evident, and you can check, check your own fruit. You should inspect your own fruit. What's coming out of me right now? Is it love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, control? If it's not, you're not yielded to the Spirit. You're just not. And go, oh, I, I want to be. I want you to have control of my life. And, and I over time, you know, we're, it's about learning to be more and more yielded to Him in this process so that we catch ourselves quicker and quicker and quicker that we're out there. Uh, and, and because when we're yielded to him, we're experiencing life so that we can love others and in so doing, transform the world for the kingdom because more and more people will come to know him. So that's what we're going to be looking at in the weeks ahead. Not that these are the, this is how you're going to do these things, but being aware of what they are so that you, you can be aware of whether you're really yielded or not. So that's what we're heading into. But that's enough for today. And I'm going to end it there. Ministry team, those are here, why don't you head over to the wall.